Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another interview in our autumn sales series. My guest today is Richard, Richard Smith. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. <laughs> I almost stumbled over your name for a second. It's, a, it's an easy one. <laughs> Richard is co-founder of UK-based Refract. Refract, for those who've not heard of the company, is a sale, well, Refract itself. Now, Richard, you can correct me. This is my understanding. It's a sales tool that helps companies to x-ray their sales conversations and to kind of help them replicate what's working and eliminate what isn't working. And, and it does this kind of at the point of where deals often come unstuck. And, and for me, tools like Refract are, are just invaluable in gaining insight from analyzing thousands and thousands of sales calls. And they, they can answer questions like, well, how much talking should I be doing? Or where are the behavioral clues that tell me that I'm on track to get this deal or where I'm in trouble? That's the, the kind of insight you can gain from that. Now, how you do that, I'm sure is part of the secret sauce and maybe Richard would share some of that with us today. Richard, you're very welcome. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me on. Really, uh, really, really glad to be here, Paul, and excited to uh, really extract a lot of the insights and learnings that I've taken, not just in my career in sales, but from the you know thousands of conversations that we have analysed as a business uh, to to show what you know what the top salespeople are doing differently, particularly in the the discovery part of the sales process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now one thing I have to ask this, by the way, because in in researching for our conversation today. I came across a few videos that you did. And when I listened to the, the interviews or the videos, I went, Sandler guy, just Sandler guy. That's what <laughs> screamed at me. Uh, am I right? Am I wrong? We, um, so we're very fortunate, uh, Paul, to be working with a lot of your uh, associates in the, in, the Sandler, in the Sandler network and have been for, for some time. Um, and yeah, it's definitely fair to say that as a sales team, we're heavily influenced by Sandler and the way that we sell. Uh, obviously, there's many methodologies, uh, frameworks out there. We found that for us, Sandler's the one that um, really helps to us to succeed, helps us to, uh, is how we develop our own sales people around some of the, the key principles. So yeah, heavily, uh, you, 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 you called it right. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been embarrassing had I not. And I mentioned that, by the way, this was not set up. It was just something I heard th th through the examples you were giving. And certainly a number of the people who would be on this call because they know me would have been trained in Sandra in some way. So right. maybe they're looking for some links there, but, but you're absolutely correct. It doesn't matter what the methodology, whether it's a off the shelf methodology or it's just experience and best practice that has led somebody. That's not what Refract is really about. Um, although I do think and there's something I'd like to explore with you is how you can use a tool, Refract, um, to embed a methodology. There may be some people on the call right now who are investing money in training their people. And again, it doesn't matter who they're training them with, but a lot of the investment money is lost. It kind of falls through this drain, this, this leakage. It's like a sieve between going from a classroom into practicing it and applying it on a, on, on a call. And yeah. I think there's a, 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 a massive place, excuse me, <clears throat> for refract in, in, in that kind of space. So I'd like to talk to you about that as well. 
Um, also for people on the line right now, if you have any questions for Richard as we go through uh, our conversation this afternoon, please just pop them into the chat. Occasionally I'll check those out and put any of your questions to Richard. Um, Richard, maybe we could start with the, the difficult question. Uh, help me separate the hype, the promise of AI in sales from reality. Because we all know there's the marketing side of a business and then there's, well, what can I really extract? And th th there's that gap in terms of understanding. Just help me put, put connect yeah. those dots. Yeah, it's a really fair question, Paul. Um, I think when the talk about AI maybe started really heating up about two or three years ago as far as its impact on the sales space, in particular, I found, was people saying, is this coming to take over our jobs? Is this coming to, you know, uh, is, is loads of sales people going to find themselves in the, the job center queue? Um, and I think from my perspective, AI is still at this very, very, very embryonic stages. Um, still has a long way to go. Uh, I think we are seeing this, the, the start of AI uh, doing, automating some tasks that, let me say the bad sales people have been doing in the past. Um, and I think that's key. I think AI definitely will be threatening um, the order takers, the transactional salespeople. Um, but it's got to go a long, long way before it replaces the uh, the, the good and the great salespeople. Um, and I, I just see it as a see AI as a as, as a benefit if you're in sales to you know see that it's it's keeping you pushing yourself, developing yourself, learning how can I how can I be different to what you know, a computer can automate. Uh, and there is lots of ways that we can be better and differentiate ourselves. So um, I think, and if we look in the sales technology space specifically, um, again, AI is, I don't think it's at the stage where it's fully replacing humans. And in, in our world, you could say that AI is maybe replacing the role of a, of a, of a coach when it's, in reality, it's not. It's actually doing yeah. a lot of the heavy lifting uh, uh, from what, may have previously been a massively time-consuming exercise. But if we look at, if we think about specifically Refract, which is about analyzing real conversations, the intricacies and the nuances and the context of human-to-human -human conversations um, are so specific, so nuanced, that um, there is so much uh, context lost just by taking what you see in data and dashboards. And you still have to go in and listen to those conversations to, to really try and figure out what, what's working, what isn't. Um, but backed up is the support from AI, which will give you the, okay. the, the leading indicators, if you like. Okay, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we talk about some use cases? Uh, again, a lot of sales leaders on the call. So speaking to them, say coaching would be a big part of their job. How can this kind of technology aid them to be more efficient and more effective in the coaching tasks. Right. So um, I guess, first of all, is, you know, dealing with small and, and, and fast growth sales teams. You know, I think if you, as a manager, when you get to sort of three salespeople on your team, suddenly things just start to become a little bit hard to manage. You've suddenly gone from, you know, a small number of customer facing conversations taking place in a week to potentially lots. Uh, if you've, suddenly got 10 people on your team. Let's imagine those 10 individuals are having three or four conversations a day. Suddenly you're, you know, you're talking about a significant amount of 
valuable conversations that are taking place over the course of a week, far more that than a man- as a manager, you can actually sit and shadow and tune into. So um, what technology like ours is helping you to do is to profile, okay, out of, out of these 100 conversations, which are the which are maybe the two or three that I should be paying most attention to because we've identified that specific things are coming up in those conversations. Maybe it's competitive situations. Maybe it's pricing discussions. Maybe it's certain objections. Maybe it's certain questions that are being asked. How can I as a manager be alerted to say, okay, these are the ones that you should be paying most attention to. These are the ones that you can help influence the most. These are our hottest opportunities in the pipeline right now that really needs your help and support as a manager. So it's really about kind of finding the, the needle in the haystack of conversations is, 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 is point number one. Um, point number two is, is really about understanding what do our top salespeople do differently? Now I could sit there and I could listen to hours and hours and hours of calls and meetings and virtual virtual meetings to try and find that out, but I don't have the time to do that. So what if I could see very easily specifically what are my top salespeople doing differently? How many questions do they ask? What types of questions do they ask? You know, how much do they talk versus the prospect in conversations? Do they invest more time talking about pain points or do they invest more time talking about next steps? Um, Technology like this will give you and manages that understanding is this is what's leading to success in your company right now, specific to your company. And this is what you need to coach your other people who are maybe in the middle of the pack, people who are lagging behind. These are the areas that you need to coach them up to become more successful. And the final piece is starting to kind of automate some of the learning for for salespeople. So we're relying less on managers having to always be the one that that, 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 that are coaching us. And so some of the things that we're innovating is actually triggering relevant learning and content for salespeople based specifically what happens in their conversations. So for example, Paul, let's imagine I'm I'm in a I'm on a I'm on a Zoom call, one of my competitors has been mentioned, and I can be triggered some automatic learning after the call, which might be as simple as a battle card of how we fare against the competition or three key value propositions that I need to make sure I promote to that prospect. Um, about how we differ in against the competition. It's 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 conversation triggered learning that's super relevant to the salesperson. Now there's an awful lot to unpack in, in that, Richard. If I go back, you mentioned three things, and the first one was uh, about how when I've got a lot of calls going on, many of them in parallel, how can I as a manager go in and identify the ones where we need some intervention, right? Sure. Um, to help me understand what are the kind of things you're looking for in those conversations that flag this up as something that needs that kind of intervention. Yeah, and this does vary from company to company because different companies care about different things. But um, you know, some of the common ones that we see is, again, competitive situations where your competition are being talked about. Um, uh, things on the commercial side, so when budgets are being discussed or decision-making hierarchies, um, even things such as technical questions, which often make salespeople come stuck. So if you're in the technology sector, maybe the specific technical questions surrounding integrations or um, products that you need to speak with, stuff that um, is going to be important for you to progress the opportunity and to make sure that you're executing the best possible way in that conversation. These are some of the types of triggers that we see people uh, people setting up in, in, in Refract to alert managers to when interventions uh, is, is required. I'm, just, I'm curious. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'll understand why I'm laughing in a moment. But I have this thought. I, I, By the way, if you go ahead and implement this as a new feature, I want a slice of the profits on this one. <laughs> but I have this idea that, you, you, you know those electric dog collars you can get? Would it be possible anyway? You don't have to give me an answer right now. You can sleep on this if you wish. But get it some way to hook it up to the tool that any time a salesperson mentions discount, <laughs> it gives them a little shock. I'm just wondering in terms of some behavior correction mechanism. Again, you don't have to give me an answer now, but maybe sleep on that one. I, I, I think there's something in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought when you were thinking about certain trigger words that can come up in a conversation. And of course, I am jesting. It doesn't have to be a dog collar. It just has to shock them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? You, would, you wouldn't want to do that to a dog. That would be cruel. <laughs> but uh, is it, so actually what I, what I heard from that is it's not necessarily then you're looking for calls that are in trouble. It's just, it could be ones that where there's a, an emphasis or a focus on where it's a competitive term or maybe financials are being discussed that you want to just quickly identify where these conversations are being had would that yeah. be fair? Yeah. I think this is one of maybe the misconceptions of technology like ours is that it's, it can only, it's only used in very transactional sales cycles where it's, you know, you've said, you said the word discount and it flags up and where, there are definitely those applications, but actually this technology is hugely applicable in more complex, longer sales cycles where, you know, there may be no, a number of conversations as part of that sales cycle that take place. And as a manager, what is your role? Your role is to help to coach and, and help to support and coach the deal and coach the, the salesperson through the opportunity. Yeah. And so just being kept abreast of what is actually going on in these conversations, how can I understand at a high level the sort of the match of the day highlight reel, to use an analogy, in order yeah. for me to understand how I can come in and support the salesperson, suggest you know actions that they can take, resources that they can share, preparation for their next conversation, all of this is, is really crucially important. I'm curious then about, so here's, a, here's, a, here's, an, here's a, a scenario. I've heard this many times from SDRs and BDRs. One of their top complaints is that they will go on, on a training course and they will learn how to get better at discovery. And I know you're a fan of discovery. I've heard you talk about it and we'll talk about this today. But they'll, they'll, they'll do that, they'll have that conversation with a prospect and then they'll hand it over maybe to an AE. And the AE goes back in and completely ignores everything that the SDR has done in terms of the questions they've asked, the information they've gotten, and starts asking the same questions again. Not alone are they just wasting a lot of the SDR's time, but they're potentially annoying customers. I mean, I've had this myself as a customer where you're asked the same question again, and you're kind of thinking, you know, we had this conversation two weeks ago with your colleague. Why are we having it again? And I'm curious to know if there's any way that technology can pick that kind of thing up. Yeah, for sure. And this is, you've highlighted a big, a big problem there um, in that kind of handover. Handovers Ooh. from SDRs to account executives, account executives to pre-sales, um, account executives to customer success teams for post-sales. Um, and we talk about buying experience and the buying experience traditionally has been horrible in a lot of companies. It is, okay, um, I've got this meeting set up by an SDR. 
but I'm going to ask you the same questions again, or um, you come on board as a client, we've identified the reasons, the, the challenges and problems that you had, which is why you bought our product. And now our customer success team are going to ask you the same questions. They're going to try and figure out why you've bought again. So this is where the benefit of being able to share those recordings of conversations between, between departments really can go a long way to just enhancing the buying experience. So imagine if you're an account executive and you just, you know, hot 30 minutes before your, 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 your discovery call, you can actually identify the three key points that were talked about on that initial conversation. You're just referencing those points to the customer on that first call. I uh, just, just reflecting back on the conversation yep. you had with my colleague, I understand that you mentioned this, this, and this, is that all, is that all correct? I mean, yeah, how does yeah. that make you feel as the buyer? You just feel I'm, yeah. I'm talking with a professional here. Yeah. And, um, and this is where I think, I think we get a lot of people talking about recordings of calls and is this, is this too much big brother? It's no, this is actually improving the, the buying experience and, and um, not relying on what we've tra traditionally relied on, which is, you know, one or two words in a CRM summarizing a conversation, which, which often lacks context and detail. Mm. Uh, we have a couple of comments in, uh, Richard. One is from your partner, Kevin. Uh, he says, the team, the team are building dog collars right now. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> now, again, suggestion, if you could get them that they're Bluetooth enabled, that would be even better because you don't want a big cable hooked up to the machine. Uh, or, or if you also Bluetooth, if they try to run away, you can zap them for... <laughs> This is, this is going downhill. I do have a, a serious question from John. John says, surely if you've done your homework before you even make the call, then an open and frank discussion can take place. Am I right in thinking this level of discussion is for the volume calls uh, that may or may not suit the things you sell? Why call them if they don't? I would be curious to know. Uh, let me see if I can follow that one, John. It's uh, so basically what I think what John is saying is that you're calling somebody up. You should know what you want to say. Okay. I, I don't think we're saying that, John. That's the first thing I think it's not about prompting people what to say. Uh, although what I heard Richard say that it was a couple of points. One is the, a, a battle card that comes up or uh, that could pop up into a conversation around some competitor situation. Uh, there is a lot of relevance in that. You know, some people might have several hundred accounts and multiple um, competitors. And in one account, their competitor might be X. In a different account, it might be Y. And a tool like this, I can see a place for a tool like this to be able to pop in some contextual information and put it at the hand of the, particularly if it's something that came up. For example, sometimes you know a prospect might ask, "Well, um, have you done any work with company Y?" For example, now if some yeah. somebody can, you know, if, if a robot can go and fetch that information and pop up something on that that's contextual, I think that's a good thing. Um, now I may be misinterpreting John's comment, but I, I think that's important. Am I right? And think, that, yeah. And John's kind of thinking that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, this is the, the, the applications for this are in the call centers. So, so let's deal with that, Richard. So John is wondering if the application for AI like this is in a call center environment with high volume of calls. What would you say to John? Very similar to what I mentioned before is that I think that's the misconception. Um, just, just for clarity, what I, when I talked about 
these pop-ups, what we're talking about is post-call. It's not live call. It's saying, hey, we identified that these things were mentioned in a previous call. Here's some content, some resources that may be beneficial to you to help you with this opportunity. Um, it's, it's about, because as salespeople, we don't always have the answer. Everybody on this webinar, I can imagine, has been in a situation where they've said, they've been asked a question, said, I'm not entirely sure the answer to that. I'll get back to you afterwards. Everybody's had that situation before. How many sure. people actually go and seek the answer? Probably not that many. What if that answer was delivered to you after the call without you having to go and look for it? Um, and again, this is, I think, this misconception of, is this sort of analysis just for call center type calls? I'm, again, it's, this, is, this is about reflecting and analyzing conversations to help, to help people improve, to help. Everybody can take any conversation, whether that's a short five-minute cold call, whether it's a 45-minute long discovery conversation, there are material things that can be made different about that conversation that could have achieved that could achieve different outcomes. There are good things that happen. There are not so good things that happen. Um, and ultimately, this is this is the world that we're living in right now, where salespeople we can't just rely on our products and services just to, to do the selling for us. We have to get better at having more effective conversations with prospects. And we're obviously going to dive into this in a bit more detail, Paul. And unless we're inspecting what we're doing, reflecting, analyzing. We're probably making the same mistakes, probably never actually improving. Um, and, and that's why this is applicable in any type of selling environment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so far, and you're absolutely right. We've talked a little bit about heavy lifting. Let's talk now about heavy adapting and heavy adjusting. What are the kind of things you've seen where people have adapted, adjusted their discovery behavior as a result of what they've learned using Refract? I, I mean, it's been huge. I mean, if I give you a very real example, I'll just talk about my own sales team here for a moment, because I, you know, it's the, the people I know the best, um, and I've I've seen people literally, you know, their 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 growth trajectory, their their the um, their win rate, um, their sales cycle, all those things have improved through constant review, refinement, sharing of knowledge, sharing of ideas, um, and it's been. It's been a long process, but we've seen the benefits of it in my, my own team. I mean, to give you an example, every Friday morning as a team, we used to do this, do this in person. Now we do it on Zoom, obviously. Um, we pull a discovery call that's taken place in the sales team that, that week. And we literally listen to it and break it down as a, as a team. And those sessions, it is amazing. Like you could take a 45 minute long call and there could be as many as 10 key moments of key coaching moments in those conversations they could be the great things it could be the amazing question that's being asked it could be a missed buying signal it could be a pain point that the prospects dropped in that the salesperson hasn't picked up on it could be a question that's been asked by the salesperson which hasn't got the answer that the salesperson was looking for and we analyze these and we debate it and you know i've seen the the, the real results of my own team as to as, as to this process of record, review, refine, refine, uh, uh, coach, um, and the, the impact it has on, on on sales teams. I don't think enough 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 sales teams are doing this. We're still operating in as if it's like as if it's the '90s, where all of our coaching decisions are being made by the sort of the data that the CRM's telling us. Oh, the salesperson's, you know, closed this much business this month. Okay, why did they get that outcome? You know, okay, they 
because they made this many calls. Okay, but what happened in those calls? Why is the salesperson who did half as many calls or has half as many opportunities done twice as much business? It's because they're doing things materially different in their conversations with prospects. Um, so yeah, and and you know this is a theme that we see across all of our customers where as they start to bring in conversation analysis and coaching, you know those those metrics, their win rates, their conversions, their sales cycles, they all po- are all positively impacted, um, as well as just uplifting the the skill set and behavior set of the of their own people. Okay, a couple of questions on that. One is when you do that and you share those calls, you play those calls. You they share with everybody in the team at the same time. Everybody's listening in on this. Yeah, and that's a conscious decision oh. that we make. Yeah, um, that's powerful. And some people might think, "Oh, I, I wouldn't want my calls listened to." Why not? If you've got it, if you've got the if you've got the right culture, if you've got a culture that's of you know yeah. sharing and yeah. every, nobody, I have my calls listened to. Uh, the it's 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 a. This is a true learning culture where everybody on the team has perspectives and advice that they can share. Saying, oh, I had the same question from a prospect this time last week, and this is what I said, and it worked really well. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's powerful. I I think if you're not willing to push through your own discomfort enough, if your desire to learn and grow and be better is not enough to push through your comfort zone, you probably shouldn't be on the team in the first place. And secondly, what it says to me about your company culture is that you're you're all willing to be vulnerable and you're in this it's a culture it's not just an activity it's part of the culture and that's very powerful as well i think people would want to be in that because it's a safe environment that you're creating so i think that's really kudos to you guys that's powerful um question for you on this because you mentioned sharing those calls you could just record a call in zoom for example and share that what value does refract add to that specific process yeah, so let's. Just, I, you could take a forty-five minute long Zoom call. It's going to take forty-five minutes at least to sit through and listen to that conversation. What we're doing is we're surfacing the key highlights of that conversation, the key topics that came up, uh, key points to to almost take that forty-five minute long call and reduce it down to the. As I call it before, it's like kind of a favorite analogy of mine, the sort of the match of the day highlights. Um, but I think. The, the, the bigger benefits is actually analyzing across an entire team, lots of calls and conversations where we can start to spot trends, you know, such as, again, what are the top salespeople doing and um, differently to the rest? Uh, what are the common themes and trends that we're hearing from the, cust- from the marketplace right now? You know, what's the most frequent objection that we're getting hit with this week that we weren't getting three months ago? Um, you know, which, com- which, which opportunities and conversations are we having where we're in competitive situations? Um, you know, which conversations are we at later stage uh, discussions with versus early stage? It's about analyzing those conversations at scale when we, we simply don't have time to sit there and join every single call. And I'm curious then, in doing that, what are the kind of macro trends that you can spot that you just couldn't spot if you were to wade through calls on your own manually? Yeah, I think things like um, kind of question volume and kind of where in the conversation the salesperson's asking their questions. We see one of the, the, the problems a lot of salespeople have is that they ask a lot of questions in the kind of the first sort of five, 10 minutes of their calls and then stop asking questions. Um, you know, we, we, we see uh, and we can see kind of where salespeople are consistently or, or not consistently asking questions across the, 
life cycle of a conversation. Um, we also see trends as to um, conversation topics. So we can show you, okay, on average across, let's say this year, on average, what, where does Richard focus his conversations more? Is he mm. more heavy on discovery? Does he talk about pricing much in those initial calls versus Mark? What does his balance look like? Um, we can start to identify, again, those common, we call it voice of the market trends. And this is, this is where technology like this is valuable for not just sales teams, but marketing teams, product teams. Okay, what, what features are we being asked for more than others in our conversations? Which messaging is hitting home with prospects more than others right now? Um, what pains and problems are our, is our customer base talking about now that they weren't talking about pre-COVID? And how can we see that, find that out in a matter of seconds versus the alternative would be to have to sit there and listen to literally hours and hours and hours of conversation. And I'm, I'm curious when you mentioned COVID, is there anything specific you've learned from that in terms of how people talk about it? And what I mean by that is, is it seen in the marketplace as an inhibitor or something that creates even more momentum, more pain and reason to act? I think it really depends on what industry you uh, you belong in, Paul, but we did some interesting analysis uh, in the early days of, of lockdown, sort of April, May time. And we analyzed across our entire customer base, um, all of the conversations, and we were looking for very specific keywords and phrases. And what we were looking for is seeing, okay, we want to see how often these phrases are being mentioned by prospects on sales calls now to what they were say at the beginning of the year, for example, in January, February time. And it was quite staggering to seeing some of the phrases like on hold or um, cutting costs. You know, these, these sorts of phrases were like, in some cases, a thousand percent more frequent in conversations, literally in the space of two or three months. Wow. So we just saw uh, what that was telling us is that the whole messaging from customers and prospects had almost changed overnight. Uh, and also the, the key point of that is that salespeople need to, need to learn how to adapt where in their, when in their conversations and their discovery as they're selling, they, their value proposition needs to be less about making money and more about saving money. Um, and this is the benefit of being able to analyze conversations at scale is you actually get to learn what's the market saying now, what's, what's current and how do we adapt, how we sell, how we communicate with customers. And, and they were just some of the kind of really interesting things that we picked up specific to COVID. From, oh, they're, uh, yeah, they're really calls. powerful insights. Yeah. Um, I'm curious also that you've been doing this now a few years is that when you started out the business, you had in mind a vision for how AI could enable sales teams. And I'm just curious to know now that you're down that path a while is what you've, what you've learned that surprised you about, let's say, sales performance. And we can take the positive and the needs improvement side of that question. So what have you seen, what have you learned in analyzing calls that you've looked at and kind of go, oh, I, I didn't see that that surprised you and also how you, of, of what surprised you, what's been good and what have you looked at and went, ooh, uh, that needs addressing. Yeah, um, 
as far as the word surprise, I think I think I've just been doing this for long enough that I, I rarely get surprised by by things. And I think me, my one surprise is the fact that the same mistakes are being made now to what they were, you know, going back ten years ago when I was starting. Um, Paul, some of the some of the mistakes I I was making when I was starting in sales. Um, sales teams are still even in, you know, complex working for, for complex sales cycles, enterprise sales, you know, we, we analyze those types of conversations and we're still too product centric. You know, the sales people are still, it is still a show up and throw up style approach that we see time and time again. You've got someone on a demo and it's like, okay, here's my excuse now just to, just to show, tell you my product and tell you everything about my product. Um, and you know, we see successful com- companies, companies that are doing well, you know, that, but if you inspect their, you know, if you, if you look at some of the trends that we see is that this is a common theme that we're seeing is that it's still very much that balance of, you know, how much the salesperson is talking versus prospects mm. is still just way off where it needs to be. You know, I think, you know, one of that's one of the, the things that we analyze is on any conversation, how much time was the salesperson talking versus the prospect? And there's so much you can learn from that, insight alone and frequently you know we're still seeing that that balance be salesperson talking 70 to 80 percent plus of the time um so this old adage in sales if you know you've got two ears and one mouth use them in that order it's 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 being yeah. said a lot, but it's, well, it's obviously really people are not paying attention to it i'm curious to know if uh, refract comments on that anyway in that when you as as if a manager runs an analysis on calls that there isn't some button they can press to go, show me bad behavior, bad selling behavior, uh, where it picks up on the show up and throw up conversations with some sort of ah for sake uh, type comment. <laughs> I'm not suggesting yeah. that. That's, that's what's in my head, but just something to, or, or are you just agnostic when it comes to good versus let's not call it good versus bad, but productive versus unproductive selling behavior. I think this is one of the things that we've been very careful with, Paul. There's a lot of data out there that says, you know, you should, uh, if you use this word in the first third of a conversation, you're going to have better, you're going to have better success rates. Or if you do this, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to be a better salesperson conversations are just too complex to make those just big sweeping statements. And every company is very different. You know, I'm selling refract. My conversations are going to sound materially different to the salesperson selling, you know, real estate down the road. They're just different businesses with different, um, different customers and different products. Um, there is of course leading indicators. There is of course trends. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's right for us to say that the optimum speaking versus listening ratio on a sales call should be this because it's it's far more complex than that in a conversation. What we can say for sure is that, you know, when you talk about conversations, there has to be a balance. You know, Mm. you can't just have salespeople just talking at the prospect and dominating the conversation. It's never going to be a productive conversation. So, yeah, so we, we, again, it kind of comes back to what we were saying at, at the start. AI gives you leading indicators to help take the heavy lifting out of some of this evaluation, but so much of the context still needs the, the human to, to listen and make those judgments too. Right. So your analysis of what's good and bad, what you said is 
when I asked you what surprised you, you said that there's still a lot of people making these kind of calls. That really came from listening to calls rather than from the system throwing that up. C correct. I think it's, it's from like analysis of trends and conversations and understanding, you know, what, what does, what is deemed to be traditionally, what is deemed to be good practice and, and, and bad practice all, all we're doing is kind of showing those indicators and helping people make those judgments perhaps quicker than if they were to do that, you know, mm. themselves. You've worked with many companies, I'm sure over the last few years, what are the types of companies that leverage as much, so what are the companies who leverage the value in Refract doing differently than some maybe who don't, the minority who don't? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it comes down, they've got, they've got, a, they've got a culture of, of, of improvement within their team. You know, if companies that buy Refract have a commitment to wanting to improve the effectiveness of their sales teams, and they understand that, um, to get better at to get better at sales, it needs it needs review, it needs self-reflection, it needs sharing of ideas, it needs collaboration across teams, it needs everyone to be very open about and prepared to say, hey, I'm I'm happy for my calls to be analyzed because you know that's gonna help the team succeed. It's gonna help me get better as a salesperson if I can invite in feedback. They materially have those open cultures dedicated to learning and improvement. And you know, I one of the things I often deal with when I'm speaking with customers is I sometimes get a pushback saying, oh, my, my sales team are really experienced. They wouldn't take too kindly to have their calls listened to, or, you know, my team, they've been doing this job for 30 years. I don't think they really need, need, need to be listened to. And I always make the point, experience does not equate to capability. You know, I, I, could, I could be doing any job for 30 years doesn't mean I'm better better at it than the person who's been doing it for two or three years. Nope. Um, and I think this is one of the, the, the battles that, that we that we face. And it's probably the same in the sales training world as well, I'd imagine, of you know, people being resistant to wanting to get better because they've been doing the job for a long time. Um, but ultimately, the proof is in the pudding. As like, can, is, is there room for improvement? Are you hitting your numbers? Can you be doing better? If, if, if the answer is yes to all of that, then... You know that that that's that's the uh, that's the route the route forward to where tools like Refract can uh, can help. So, yeah, the companies that we work with just have a true, you know, culture of betterment uh, in their in the in their organisation. I wonder, is there anything there that can measure progress over time? And what I'm from what you said there about somebody who's got thirty years experience, and you know, I, upon closer examination, what you discover is that they've got one year's experience repeated 30 times. And is there some way of measuring growth in a sales team? I don't know the answer, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I'm, I was just curious when we said that, is there, is there any way of tracking that as well? Because clearly, I mean, my, my, my agenda would be, in terms of a tool like Refract would be different to maybe, a, a, a reps or a manager's uh, agenda. Yeah, I think I think ultimately when it comes out of sales, the ultimate the proof is in the pudding. Are we are we are we closing more business? Are our win rates improving? You know, our sales cycles re reducing. You know, they're they're the, they're the metrics that really sure. that really matter. What's key is okay. So how do you impact on those things? And if you can help your sales team have 
materially better conversations, follow a sales process more effectively, then those things should improve. Um, so yeah, the for, for me the the progress is the end, the end numbers, the ones that really count. Um, the how you get there is comes down to like inspecting the process. Yeah, uh, and that's where we come in. Because well, one of the things I've seen is where companies trying to tie together what people learn in the classroom and how and and actually applying it is to 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 embed keywords now i know what you said earlier that sales and you're 100 right is too nuanced to tie anything down to a keyword but there are certain words and way we phrase things for example pattern interrupt there may be one or two pattern interrupts that a team might favor and that in a pattern interrupt you might have uh, you know have i caught you at a really bad time uh, you could tag caught you at a bad time or at a bad time that you could then use not to not to worry about the tonality of how it was delivered that's a completely different issue i'm not sure ai is that far advanced but that they were actually just using it and that if it was being used badly at least then you could say well look you know these 10 reps are getting great results from it these two reps are not let's intervene over here and see how they're applying it but we at least know at a first pass that they're all applying it that would be a that would be a massive shift because so much is lost in going from a classroom in and applying it and people are not being held accountable and, and i know that's not an easy thing to do but uh I, I that's where i see a massive massive um application for for refract is is there's so much value lost that in just fixing that would pay for itself many many times over yeah, I often use the analogy of like, it's like the boxing coach who never goes to ringside to watch the the fight play out on a Saturday night. They've done all the work in the in the, you know, in the in the, in the gym to train, um. But how does this? How does the the boxer actually go and execute? And, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of what you've just shared there is exactly what we're doing. And even looking at some of the most effective questions that salespeople are asking in that sales team that's leading to good success okay, we want all of the sales team to start asking those questions and we can use this to identify if they are asking those questions or not without having to actually listen to, to the calls themselves. And what's in the tool? Because I, I do understand there's a couple of coaches I know. Um, one of them was a testimonial on your website. That's how I know um, from Sandra in the States. And my understanding is that they can go into the back end of the tool and assign uh, tasks is that correct? Did I did I understand that correctly? That there's something yeah. in it other than just listening in on a call and writing down uh, their own thoughts and observations that the tool itself facilitates that process. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, um, you know, for this for the sales training companies, it's really about keeping their sales the the people they they they're working with accountable, making sure that they're following through with what they're learning and training. Um, but as well, you know, there's the ability to set um, practice challenges to to salespeople on helping them practice their, you know, 30 second commercial or their, um, or their upfront contract and, you know, making sure that they've, that they're, there's a, I always say to, 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 to sales managers, why do you let your salespeople practice on real prospects um, when it can be too late? 
you know, why don't you get them to practice in a safe environment? And, you know, that's one of the other features of Refract is a, is a whole practice mode that gets people to, you know, master those things before they start uh, trying out on, on real customers. And then th that begs the question, when you talk to buyers for Refract, what are the kind of areas of the solution they focus on most when they kind of go, oh, cool, I want that. What is it? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's not that, what we just talked about. It's something else. Um, yeah, I guess well, that, that, is, that is definitely something that I think appeals to them. But I think for, for most, it's, it's about opening their eyes. It's, it's uh, right now, for, especially in today's environment, so many sales teams are very cut off. You mm. know, they're working from home, you know, especially for, with new salespeople. You know, there's lots of salespeople who've joined new companies over the past nine months. I've mm. never actually met their manager in person before. I've yeah. never met their colleagues, kind of sat in their spare bedrooms like I am right now. Um, and, you know, expected to, you know, that their, their managers have no idea, is this salesperson succeeding right now? You know, in their discovery calls that they've got today, what's actually going on in those conversations? And so for, for many, this is like, and just being able to simply make it easy to, to, to flag and signpost key key conversations and triggers and conversations is is beyond what they've ever done before which is largely coaching behind closed doors with without any you know going off the salesperson's interpretation of what actually happened in the conversation um so yeah so just that that's a that's a key part but where you know again we're seeing a lot of value right a lot of people getting very interested right now about this kind of learning uh, conversation triggered learning um, helping to automate the the learning and the feedback for salespeople based specifically what happens on calls because, you know, coaching is is inherently seen as a time consuming task for for, for many, and so we're you know we're trying to um, yeah smooth that process out for for, mm. for a lot of the uh, customers we're working with. Well, we're always up on time, Richard. I had a couple of questions that I did want to ask you before I let you go. Um, it was it was an observation. Maybe it was one of the best managers I ever worked with, and. He was known for just walking the floor, that he'd get up out of his office, go out, and he would pass by and he might lean on a cubicle for a while, just listening in on a conversation, or he'd observe body language. You can tell a lot from body language and who's doing most of the talking, what sort of emotion there was in it. Um, you know, did the salesperson sound bored or were they curious, for example? Just those kind of things without, wasn't necessarily analyzing every single word but he could tell an enormous amount over who was doing well and could correlate a lot of that into actual performance as well. And I guess what I'm taking from what you do is you provide that link now where that naturally is missing because people are working from home. You, you enable managers to walk the floor essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even, and when, even when they're not available, when their team are out of sight, out of mind. And um, I even will, slightly challenge the the manager who can assume that they know everything that's going on by just hearing one side of a conversation because i've tried that before and there's a hell of a lot of detail that you you don't you're, you're not exposed to uh, on the customer side of the the conversation which is often uh, the most important but but to your point yeah it's right now where we're all living in this world where we're cut off from our peers from our colleagues um sales leaders probably have the lack of visibility more so than they've ever they've ever had before because outside of the uh outside of the crm which let's face it 
is heavily just influenced by the salesperson's interpretation, if and when they updated, by the way, um, that, you know, how, how as a manager can we forecast effectively? How can we make effective coaching decisions? How do we understand if we're going to hit goal this month? Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, being able to analyze the actual conversations that are taking place in our sales team is, is as mm. crucial to be doing now than, it, than it's ever been. So how do you deal with this one then? This, uh, for years, I've often said to people, record your calls. You'll learn a lot by listening back to them. And I was always getting the, oh, in, in our country, we're not allowed. Or then, then when GDBR came along, that was a perfect excuse. How do you get over that? Yeah, the, the headline is there's a lot of misconceptions around like recording B2B conversations. And there's GDPR hasn't really impacted the existing um kind of rules around that um again i think there's a lot of misconceptions that believe that to be the case but um and and it's worth saying that country to country the laws can 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 vary uh, uh depending on you know mm. where, where, you're, where you're based and all we're talking about here is not about necessarily the premise of recording calls paul it's about uh it's about just notification um and in many you know many cases perfectly fine to record uh b2b conversations um you know even under the rules of legitimate purposes one of which by the way is around training and coaching and quality so um yeah uh here are a lot of misconceptions about it um the laws do around notification uh, that calls being recorded do vary from country to country so it's worth always checking that out um but what do your reps do when when they reach somebody what do they say yeah, so so in the UK, like it, where we we operate in a, it's kind of the the the, the free, free, um, term is a one party consent. In other words, mm-hmm. as long as one party in that call knows the call is being recorded, there's no um, there's no need to have to notify. As long as, again, that the there's uh, the purpose of the call is for legitimate purposes. Mm-hmm. Where we see in those countries and states where there is what they call two party consent. So if you go to the US as an example there's a handful of states that are all two-party consent. Um, and some best practices there, you know, probably more appropriate for these kind of scheduled calls, like discovery calls, mm. demos, meetings, you know, just things saying that, you know, are you, are you cool if I record this uh, call before we get started, just to save me from taking down meeting notes? Um, you know, was there someone that couldn't make this today? I'm happy to share the recording afterwards if you want to share That's, the, that's yeah. a good point, actually. I'd never thought of that one. I thought, yeah, the other one is just, look, do you mind if I for my notes? Because I would be like that. I find it hard to take notes and listen. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think there's, there's somebody else. I could see people going, yeah, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think a lot of people, again, have these mental blocks to think that customers are going to hate this. Um, yeah, I've been doing this for six years. I, I can count on three fingers the amount of times I think customers push back about it. Um, yeah. and always, it's, always in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I think, and really, this is, it's not, listen, we've, we've, we've been, uh, we've been having our calls recorded, ringing the call centers for years. Um, this is about, again, if we can position this, that it's going to improve the buying experience, which it does, yep. you know, customers uh, will, will have no issue with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just finding the, the right way of, of helping people see that the the other one that I, I've often come across against in Germany is the uh, the uh, in the cloud storing anything in the cloud. Yeah. Okay, but where's your money? Where's the store? 
I don't know. Is it in a building? Is it in a computer somewhere? Where's that computer? You know, it's, yeah. it's just out there somewhere. And that reality that we, we live our lives this way now, our calls have been recorded. There's CCTV every corner you turn her. So it's, uh, um, I, I think it, it's, it's good practice and it's uh, respectful to say, look, are you okay if I, if I record yep. the call? But um, I, I, I think people put barriers there and I, my, I suspect it's to do with more to do with their discomfort and they're using as an excuse not to have to do it. That would be my own take. Not for everybody, for a, but for yeah. most. I think it's a fair comment. I think the other point to note is like for, in, for years in sales, we've been logging details of conversations in our CRM um, without any thought or problem about it. Um, all we're doing, we're, we're doing a more thorough version of that, essentially recording yeah. the actual conversation versus the interpretation. Yeah. It makes per- it makes just incredible sense. I started there, it's a, not that long ago when I'm in, in, in total years, it might be three or four years ago, the first time, and it was a little app I got on my phone where I was able to record a call. And it was just for me, for no other, for a reason. And I was shocked by two things. One was, I'd find myself saying something on the call. Now, I've been doing this for 18 years, this job, and I'm saying this is only three or four years ago. So I was doing this a long time and really shocked by some of the stupid stuff I found myself saying where I'd interject on something. And I go, why did I do that? There was absolutely no need that, you know, the other person was, was fine. They were explaining. I didn't need to. And it was, it was shining a light into blind spots that I had. Still have, I'm sure it's, and the only way to do that was to record the call. That was one. And the other one was, um, the other one that jumped into my head there, it was about, um, oh God, I'm having a Joe Biden moment now. Uh, I shouldn't say that this close to an election. That's terrible. I could be shot for saying something like that. Now it was so, something else that was around the, the, the call, the value of, of recording calls and just listening back to them. Oh, I know what it was, sorry. <laughs> you want to see why I'm laughing in a second? Memory. <laughs> I discovered, won't be any shock to you, that if, if I didn't immediately after a call write out what was fresh in my head within a day or two, I had forgotten so much. And the funny thing about that was that was only highlighted for me when I'd listened back to a call that I'd made maybe two days earlier and yeah. hadn't updated my notes and I caught, I'd forgotten about that. I didn't remember that. Oh yeah. And it was that moment after moment of that. And, and that was really shocked me how much I've forgotten. And I think when you're, even, even when you take notes, you forget things. And when you have a process that has multiple calls and before you have a, the next call, you have to go back and have a listen. And, and maybe that's where the heavy lifting comes in as well, that you're able to kind of just pick out the key highlights and all the dead air and things like that are, are, are diminished. Yeah. So if I have a half an hour call, I might only need to spend five, six, seven minutes doing a quick review of the highlights of it. So um, uh, the, the, the way, the... okay. Okay, so here's a question, good question on this one. Uh, for you, so I'll take a couple of questions, Richard, if that's all right. Uh, the way you're talking by this, the the person who asked this question, I don't know whether he's directing at me or to you or just to our conversation. He says the way you're talking, it seems too much micromanagement versus coaching. What are your thoughts? Um, 
Okay, it might come across that way. So, Richard, why don't you take that? Yeah, I think I think that's always the that's always the misconception. It's like, oh, listening to how our salespeople are selling, it's it's micromanagement. I think ultimately, it's it comes down to two things. Um, one, try and coach without listening to how your salespeople are selling. It's incredibly difficult. You're you're going off the salesperson's interpretation. You're trying to get them to diagnose their own weaknesses, and oftentimes they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they you know they're they're, they're doing wrong. Um, and it comes down to how you position it. If you're using call recording as a as a way to bash your salespeople over the head with a stick, then of course it's 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 it's, it's not even micromanagement. It's it's punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're using it as a way to self-reflect and find ways to improve and uh, share ideas, then it's it's a truly invigorating and, and interactive and enlightening coaching experience. Um, yeah, it's 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 like we um, we I see a thing saying you should attend the sales call with your team for live coaching. I've seen so many problems with this in my career. You know, as the sales manager gets invited along for the for the live call, what ends up happening? The sales manager rescues the salesperson, jumps in, takes over the meeting. The salesperson never learns a thing. They're not the salesperson is not allowed to fail. And listen, you to get to get better, you've got to learn how to fail. Um funny you should say that, Richard, because that connects directly with another question. And there's two parts of this question, I said with two separate questions I want to deal with. Uh, one is as a leader coach, you should attend the sales call with your team for live coaching, not coach from a recording session. Uh, but then you said that, well, look, the danger there is that if you do that, there's the danger the manager will yeah, jump into rescue. It's, yeah. It's all, it's I also think, but yeah, I also think there's another side of that is that um, you can't just, autom- unless it's a schedule call, but certainly you can't do it with cold calling where a manager sitting by for half an hour while you get yeah. uh, you don't connect you know for half an hour before you you actually get a live one so i think for those it's it's impractical yeah. to do it live that's for sure yeah. but for schedule you can but there is that danger and it is hard which dovetails to another question which is how can this tool help poor managers that lack the skills emotional intelligence and modern tactics uh, i would say is you're expecting too much of any tool to do that um I don't know yeah, what you I, think. I think, I, I think I think this you, Refract is a, is a tool to help enable managers to become better. Yeah. Um, because we see a lot lots of our companies who are using yeah. uh, Refract to actually get their managers involved in what they should be doing, which is coaching their team, yeah. um, and making that process a lot more simplified and easier for them. Uh, and and it's one of those things that sales managers are one of the most grossly underinvested people in in an organization. They're promoted from being good salespeople yeah. and just expected to do the job really, really, really well. So, you know, this yeah. is actually a tool to help enable managers. Uh, we have another question from Casemiro as well, and I, I, I sense I've, I've upset him as well on this, and it's, it's a fair comment because we flagged this as a conversation around discovery, and we have touched on discovery, but not it's, it's not a lesson on how to do best practice discovery. Uh, it's more on how can I understand the discovery process and improve my reps uh, in that process. That, that would be my take on it. But uh, let, let, me, let me read the question. It says, uh, what does this talk have to do with discovery? This should be more on how to use CRM as a coaching tool. Okay, well, it's not CRM, got that one, but, but, but it's a fair question. How could we use this more for better discovery? Let's deal with that. Yeah, I think, I think we've talked a lot, Paul, about the importance of 
the people who are doing really good discovery, the ones who are inspecting and self-reviewing and reflecting and getting better at discovery. Um, you know, and every, if you look at any sports team in the world, they're always reviewing the the match that they had on the weekend to figure out how to get better. And this is exactly the same. You know, we should be doing the same in sales. Um, I think we've identified some of the, the trends that we see in mistakes that people are making in discovery and and things that uh, what we tend to see some of the the, the better sales people doing. Maybe I mean maybe just to add on to that, you know, I think some of the the things that I see you know, really, uh, and again, this is just through analyzing of conversations that, that the best salespeople are, you know, they, they, they don't talk about the product. They, they, they get prospects to ask for the demo <laughs> um, yeah. because they, they, they ask more effective questions. And those questions are often much more um, simpler, you know, questions that are literally six, seven words or less where they're, they're getting the prospect to do more of the talking, you know, questions like, you know, can you tell me more about that? Um, how does that make you feel? Uh, who else cares about solving these problems? These, these are all questions that are so simplistic by design, but are some yeah. of the most effective questions that we're seeing that, you know, the top salespeople asking. Um, so there's lots of uh, specific things that, uh, you know, we, we see the, the best doing in, in the discovery calls themselves. I'm, I'm happy to share some information about that after this yeah. as well. But look, there, there are no silver bullets, Richard, in discovery. I think if you're in sales right now and you don't know how to do discovery, is you're not going to find it on a call like this. You need yeah. to go out and, and, and use a tool like Refract to go and figure out, first of all, what you're doing and set that as a benchmark, as, as, as a kind of a line in the sand. Okay, this is what I'm doing and have that analyzed. And it's hard to do self-analysis in the moment, in situ. So one of the challenges I always have is, I mean, I've run hundreds, as you can imagine, over 18 years, classes on discovery. And yet when I watch people do it, they do a poor job of it. And and that's not a go at them. It's a go at how we've set up the learning process. And that, you know, I learned, I do piano. And here's what it isn't. It isn't where the instructor comes along, plays a piece, and then disappears off for six months or for nine months. And then I, and, and I'm supposed to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's what, how, how lear, music learning process works is I have a piece of music. I will play it and my teacher will listen to it and go, okay, that's good. That's good. Here's where it needs to improve. And there are many times where she will say, scooch over there and she'll play it so I can hear how it should be done. And then what happens is at the end of half an hour is I've now I've got a week to practice that. And if you don't have that ability to pick up on where we're screwing things up, then you just don't learn. And so it is unreasonable to expect people to go into a class and sit through people, go tell me more, give me an example, how long has that been an issue? What have you done to try and fix it? Did that work? How much was that costing you? How do you feel about that? You know, you can rattle that crap off to, you know, till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you better at discovery. That comes from, Sorry, it sounds like preaching here. I, I'm in 100% support of what you're doing is that comes from doing it, then figuring out where it can be improved, making that tiny incremental improvement, doing it again. And that constant, constant little, little incremental improvements. And then before you know it, six months down the line is you're significantly better at it. That's how you do. If anybody wants to know how you do better discovery, that's how you do it. You don't come on a, on a webinar. You don't come to a class and hear somebody talk about discovery. Uh, you can do it and it'll take you five years to master it 
without a feedback me mechanism. You take a feedback mechanism. It's like this. I don't know if I can reach this here. So I have behind me here. This is a uh, old school film camera. Back in the day with this, you take a picture and it was a week before you figured it out whether it was in focus, whether you had exposed it properly, the composure, everything. And it was a week later, you kind of went, ah, oh, you got it wrong. Now you can look at the back end. And that instant feedback means you can accelerate up that learning process so much faster. That's to me what Refract does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a constant evolving process. It's constant refinement. Um, we're always trying to get better at it. Um, learning never stops we never we never we never reach perfection in anything and so you know this is this is where um, you bang on with your message there yeah and one last question i want to get through just because it's they, they've taken the time to put the, put this in so we'll do this and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up if that's all right richard uh how is it asking too much i'm not sure what he's referring to with that reps getting recorded using this tool uh to improve then being coached by managers that are no doubt worse. That's a total waste of the product. Uh, okay, so I think, uh, let me think of, I think I understand this is that a rep will use the tool to record a call and then they're being coached by the manager who may be not as good at discovery, for example, as a rep, because maybe it's been years since they've done any discovery or they've never learned, never learned properly. That's a valid criticism, right? There's managers out there who maybe they'll send people on a training course and they've never sat in on that training course themselves. That's a fact. So how, how, how do we close that? Because that, yeah, that's no, I think it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a valid question. I think, first of all, there's a, there's a managerial issue there. Um, that's beyond what, what refract can, can fix. Um, I would say that the best, you know, the best managers aren't always the best salespeople. They're, they're often the ones that can better coaches, the ones that can help salespeople be more self-aware, can challenge salespeople. Um, but so much of the, keep on talking about this being a, a, a manager, a manager to rep relationship when actually so much of coaching now is actually just about, you know, from self-reflection, it's about learning off the top salespeople in your team. What are they doing differently? What are, you know, what are they doing in their conversations? And so much of like learning actually is, it's not reliant on managers these days. It's just being able to, yep. to share what, what works across, you know, across peers and the team. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's lots of other ways to do it. Not everybody has that relationship with a manager or they have maybe have a good relationship with the manager just doesn't get it, right? That, that yeah. can happen. You can have peer-to-peer -peer coaching. You can, you can work with a buddy, colleague, could be on your team, could be on a different team, could be in a different company but where you kind of send them. And by the way, here's the, here's the value again. Sorry, it sounds like I'm selling Refract for you. <laughs> this is not what this is about in case anybody's wondering. What I'm just excited about where I see the applications is that now you could actually have a recording, send it to a buddy, maybe you worked with them in the past or just a friend, whatever it is, and say, have a listen to this. I used to do that years ago when I developed a landing page for a website. I'd send an email to a friend of mine with a link to it. I'd say, give me your gut reaction on this. And he'd come back and he said, no, didn't like it. Right, great. What was it about it? And so just, you don't need a manager to do this. In fact, I said earlier about listening in on your own calls. If you have some self-awareness and you're willing to confront it, you can learn a lot by listening to those calls uh, yep. yourself as well. So, um, and, and, and you can do that now where you couldn't do that before. So I think there's right. huge value in that. And then, then send the best bits to your manager. That's what I would do. Right. right? Yeah. 
All right. Look, uh, we've been through a lot, Richard. It's been so insightful. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know I've learned a lot. I think this is an area that is really, really well worth exploring. There's so much value in it. And as I think we get further and further down the line, we'll discover more areas of value. I think the working from home uh, period that we're going through that will extend, I think, for a hell of a lot longer has been a huge catalyst for this and it's unlocked a ton more value. And uh, I'd like to see a lot more of it. So uh, thank you for sharing your time and your insights with us this afternoon. Perfect. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, hope it was valuable for everyone. And please, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to uh, continue the conversation there.